welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. Turn with me, if you would, to Romans, the 12th chapter. And we're going to be looking at verse 1, Jesse. Uh, In the King James Version... um, It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, you present your bodies. So who's going to present your body to God? You are. Um, I can't present your body to God, right? Um, I can't present Nancy's body to God. I can't present Jesse's body to God. Jesse must present his body to the Lord. Um, you know, we, some churches, they have, uh, some people call it baby dedications or baby presentations. What, what is that doing, um, you're presenting your child to the Lord. And that's appropriate when a child is a baby because you're responsible for that child. That's your child. I mean, you're accountable for it. And we see that in the Bible. Hannah did that with Samuel. She presented him to the Lord. But there comes a time where you can't be the one to do that anymore. Um, You have to present yourself. There comes an age of accountability and a time that I've got to present myself to the Lord. So he said, you present your body unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, If you don't mind, say that out loud with me. Your reasonable service. Um, The title of my my message today is uh, my reasonable service. My reasonable service service. And um, something we see in this is that a part of this reasonable service that we're called to has to do with us presenting ourselves. I know I keep saying that, but there's a reason I keep saying that. We are presenting ourselves unto God. Because reasonable service is not about somebody getting you to serve them. It's not about somebody getting you to do something for them. That's not what this is. And there's a reason why he starts out by talking about you presenting yourself, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Now, turn over with me to 1 John chapter 5, and uh, we'll see something else about this. 
And uh, we'll start in verse 3. Um, God is not unreasonable. What do I mean by that? Um, well, let's read what I mean by that. For this is the love of God. Somebody say, this is the love of God. That we keep his commandments. He says this again in 2 John, that this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Um, why is that important? Because the love of God is not always doing what other people want you to do. It's keeping his commandments. And in fact, in Second John, it goes on to talk about not sharing in some things that other people are doing. Um. We don't read Second John a lot. It's it's worth reading. It's a good short, but it's good. Um, he said, and his commandments are not grievous. We'll see this again here in a minute. His commandments are not grievous. Is it okay if I take my time this morning? I've been in a, a three day meeting with Brother Copeland. And I don't know if you've ever been in a meeting with Brother Copeland, but the man does not get in a hurry for anybody. So, I, you know, I'm kind of in that flow this, this morning. Um, another translation says, his commandments are not burdensome. So what we're finding out about God's commandments is the characteristic of his commandments. They're not grievous. They're not burdensome. And one of those commandments that he gave us in the New Testament had to do with submission. Submitting yourself to those who are over you in the Lord. He talked about this in Hebrews twice, actually, in the same chapter. He talked about you submit yourself to those who are over you, who have spoken the word to you, whose faith follow. And then he says it again. He said, submit yourself to those who have the rule over you. Why is that significant? Well, that's one of his commandments. But did you hear the language in that? You submit yourself. Did he say that they were going to make you submit? No. That sounds a whole lot like you present your body. Do you hear the similarity in the language there? You submit yourself. You present yourself. In Thessalonians, he talks about uh, knowing and recognizing those who are over you in the Lord and who labor among you. Well, if you needed to know who was over you in the Lord, what else would you need to know? Who's not over you in the Lord? And so, what am I talking about here? We're talking about reasonable service and the characteristics of the service of the Lord. What it is, what it's not. 
And we're seeing right here, it's not burdensome. Go with me to a Ma- uh, Matthew 11 and verse 28. You've heard this before, but it won't hurt you none at all to hear it again. Matthew 11, verse 28. Still in the King James Version. What did he say? Somebody read it out loud with me. Come unto me. What does that sound like? Present yourself. You come to me. Did Jesus say, stay right there, and I'm going to come to you. Hmm. Now, in the sense of a lost sheep who can't get home, yes, the shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the sheep. But in this context, he said, you come to me. So is Jesus making you come to him? No. He said, all you that labor and are heavy laden. This is interesting language. Heavy Laden, we'll see this here in a second, but I'm being laden with something. Something has been laid on me. The implication is somebody has laid something on me, and it's heavy. I'm heavy laden. And he said, if that's the case, what's the remedy for that? You come to me, and I'll give you rest. I'm going to take that burden off of you, and and, and I'm going to give you something in return. I'm going to give it to you. You don't have to take it, but I'm going to give it to you. Uh, Verse 29, he said, what? Take my yoke. So again, is Jesus putting the yoke on you? No. He said, you take my yoke. So you come to me, you take my yoke. And he said, learn of me. Why is that important? Because I am learning the characteristics of his yoke, of his nature. I am learning what it's like for me to be in reasonable service to the Lord. He said, I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, Let me read this to you in the Passion Translation. The Passion is not a translation as much as it is a paraphrase. But um, I still like some of the things it brings out and that's what I read to the King James first. He said, simply join your life with mine Learn my ways, and you'll discover, oh, there it is, that I'm gentle, I'm humble, and I'm easy to please. And you'll find refreshment and rest in me. And the next verse, verse 30, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. All that I require of you. Now, that doesn't mean that there will never be challenges. That doesn't mean there won't be persecution. That doesn't mean there won't be trial and things that come against you, but there's grace for it because I'm under his yoke. But why would I be burdened? 
Why would I be heavy loaded? Why would I be weighed down? Why would I be toiling and tired and fatigued? Because something got laid on me that he didn't lay on me. Something got put on me that he didn't put on me. Let me say it to you like this. Something was required of me that he didn't require of me. Um, this could be a number of things. Responsibilities. Um, obligations. Expectations. Um, it could be worry. could be guilt. could be a number of things, but this is being laid on me, and it's weighing me down. And he didn't put it on me. And he's not requiring it of me. If it was laid on me, if it was forced on me, he's not requiring it of me. He only requires me to take his yoke. And what's the characteristic of that yoke? I took it. I came to him. I took it on myself. Amen? That's how I know I am under his yoke because it wasn't laid on me and he's not requiring it of me. Uh, in Hosea, uh, no, I'm sorry, in Micah, it talks about what is it that the Lord requires of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So in light of that, let's go over to uh, Luke 11. Actually, I'll tell you this. Um, yeah, yeah, let's go to Luke eleven forty five very quickly. I'll try to go through these relatively quickly. Luke 11, uh, verse 45, still in the King James. Did you know that the Bible says that he gives his beloved sleep? This might be a crazy thought, but did you know that God wants you to sleep? Did you know that God actually wants you to get a good night's sleep? Amen. That's good news. <laughs> Somebody needed to say amen to that. He wants you to get a good night's sleep. And uh, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. Because he gives his beloved sleep. In uh, Luke eleven forty five, 45, uh, it says, Then answered one of the lawyers and said to him, Master, he, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he was, uh, he was re reproving them of some things. And he said, Thus saying, you reproach us also. And I think he regretted saying that. Because immediately afterwards, what did Jesus say? Jesus turned to the lawyer, and he said, Oh, you want some too. Okay. Uh, he said, Woe unto you also, you lawyers. For you do what? You laid men. You laid men. Other translations say you lay on men burdens grievous to be born. Do you see that? What are we reading in 1 John 3? His commandments are not grievous. You laid men with burdens grievous 
to be born, and you yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. So there's this picture of these men laying burdens on people, and they're grievous to be born. They're hard to be born. Well, what is this telling us about Jesus? He doesn't lay things on us that are grievous to be born. Men do that. Did you hear me? Men will try to lay things on you that are grievous to be born. There's some real freedom in what, what the Lord is ministering here this morning. Uh, I, I didn't just uh, try to think about something that would get us through until 12 o'clock this morning. Um, there, there are some answers in this for situations that have happened and will come up. If you'll receive from the Lord this morning, uh, he, He'd help us to get free of some things and to avoid some things. Um, it's not about me. The Lord's speaking this morning. I, I, I say that with humility. But how do I know the Lord's speaking? Because we're reading His Word. He said, "He said you laid men with burdens too heavy to be borne. So we see that He doesn't do that. Let's look at an example of this in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 38. I'll give Jesse just a second to get up there. Or to get it up there, rather. Get up there, Jesse. Oh, I'm so sorry. Verse 38, for, uh, 1 Samuel 17, 38. It said, uh, you, you know the story. Um, David had come to fight Goliath. Um, and, you know, you know the story. <laughs> um, it says, and Saul armed David with his armor. Oh, I, di- I didn't see that till just now. Thank you, Lord. And he did what? He put a helmet of brass upon his head. And he armed him with a coat of mail. Um, who did this? Saul. Saul laid it on David. But what's interesting about this to me, he said it was a helmet of brass. The Lord spoke to Brother Hagin one time. And he said... A lot of people are trading gold for brass. And that's happening because people are trading the glory of God with the agendas of men. Uh, do I say that? Um, I've seen the church dressing in a lot of Saul's armor in the past few years on two sides of the spectrum. What's happening? The glory has been traded for the agendas of men. And it's trading the gold for brass. Now the Lord still shows up. Because he knows people's heart. And we've all missed it in these things. But you know Jesus said it's a little leaven that leavens the whole lump. And he said beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. What was that talking about? The Pharisees inserting their own agenda into the things of God. That's just a side note. But he said he put a helmet of brass upon his head, and also he armed him. So verse 39, 
What did David say? David girded his sword upon his armor and assayed to go. That's the same language when Pharaoh and his army assayed to go into the Red Sea. And we know how that turned out. It says, he assayed to go for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. This doesn't fit. This isn't right. This isn't a good fit. Something about this doesn't feel right. It's heavy. It's heavy. And so what did David do? He put them off. So if you've got something heavy laid on you that doesn't fit, that's grievous to be born, that's hard to carry, what do you need to do? Put it off and take his yoke upon you. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Amen. I'm at least amen myself. If I, uh, yeah. um, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Let's touch on this real quick. This is just kind of a intermission kind of point I'm going to make here. What did he say? Be not unequally yoked. We talked about this in offering, about equal, equality. I would not that one be eased and the other one burdened. Same language here, and he says yoked. So we're talking about a yoke. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Um, I think a lot of times we read this verse, and I think a lot of times people go immediately to marriage, which obviously there's an application in that. Uh, you know, there's a real truth in that. But he actually never mentioned marriage once in this passage. Um, yes, there's a truth in that. But there's just a picture of being yoked with unbelief. I'm connected to something that if I'm the only one carrying the faith, there's an inequality here. If I'm yoked with somebody who's not believing, not having faith, not using their faith, then I'm the one carrying it all on my faith. And that's going to end up being a burden on me because I'm the one trying to lead or not lead. There's a principle in that, but I'm the one trying to carry all the spiritual weight on me because I'm yoked with something that is not equal. It doesn't fit. Same language. So God wants us to be yoked with things that are there's an equality there. It's not all on me. There's a reason why God joins people together to accomplish things. It, anytime everything's riding on one person, it's not the building of the Lord. Anytime everything is built up all around one person, and if they're removed, everything comes crashing down, it's not the building of the Lord. God joins the body of Christ together that each, by, each one have a part. We are a part of the body of Christ. It's not all riding on me. 
It's not all riding on you. It's not all riding on Micah or Becky. We have a part. Yes, there's somebody leading it. That's their part. But it's still not all riding on them. And so we have to recognize what is our part and what is not. And if people are trying to lay things on us that are not our part, we have to learn how to not take that yoke. Not take that upon ourselves. Not allow that to be laid upon us. And if we have allowed it to be laid upon us, what should we do? Yeet it. First time I've ever used that word in a sermon. We've got to put it off of us. We've got to come to him and take his yoke upon us. Amen. Let me just show you a couple examples of this in Scripture. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see some good things here. Um, and I want to come back to this. He said it's reasonable service. The service of the Lord is reasonable. And I am presenting myself. I am submitting myself to where God shows me to submit to. I am submitting myself to what God is showing me to present myself to. And yes, if God shows me to do something and I don't do it, I'm not going to be blessed like I'm supposed to be. I, do, I have to keep his commandments if I want to be in his perfect will. But it's my choice. And he's not going to make you do it. He won't make people get saved. And here's something else. Um, people have used this language and it wasn't wrong, but we got to watch out for the mindset of, well, I'm going to get them saved. What does that mean? I'm going to get them saved? How? What if they don't want to be saved? No. We're supposed to lead people to the Lord. He told us to be fishers of men. What does that look like? Oh, I got a nibble. How do you know when you got a bite? There's a nibble. There's a tug. I'm a fisher of men. I'm not trying to get people saved. I can't get people saved. I can pray for them, but I can't pray them into being saved, that's still their will. I can bind the forces of darkness trying to influence them. I can uh, pray for the Lord to soften their heart. I can, I can pray for laborers to come across their path. But it's still their choice. If God won't make them do it, I shouldn't try. So let me show you an example here of something unreasonable. Uh, still in Samuel, actually backing up, 1 Samuel 11. I'm just going to run through these. Uh, I don't want to take too much time on these. But in 1 Samuel 11, verse 1, it says, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we'll serve you. And what did, what did he say? He answered and said, on this condition, yeah. you got to watch out for unreasonable conditions. On this condition will I make a covenant with you that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for a reproach upon. Do you see that language? I'm going to lay it on you as a shame, as a reproach. I'm going to make you eat it. 
Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll make a covenant with you as long as I can shame you and lay this on you and make you eat what you've done. You got to watch out about that. That's not a right yoke. And if you go on to the passage, I won't read it all, but you see that they told Saul this, and Saul had just been anointed king. And they told Saul this, and the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Saul mightily. Uh, Let's actually go down and read that. Uh, Down in uh, verse, let's try verse 6, see if that's the right one. I don't know how I have those. Uh, Yeah, yeah, and in verse 7, it says, uh, this is interesting. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Verse 7. He did what? Took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coast of Israel. What did he do? The anointing came on him and he destroyed the yoke. The anointing destroyed the yoke. I'm pretty excited about that. I don't know about y'all, but the anointing destroyed the yoke. What was the yoke? It was unreasonable service, unreasonable conditions. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and destroyed the yoke. He, He slew that yoke of oxen as a symbolism of this unreasonable yoke that had been laid upon them by this Philistine. But why did it happen? Because they tried to make a covenant with the wrong one. They tried to make a covenant with the wrong one. They tried to appease him. They tried to please, let's just appease him. That's the fear of man. And they tried to make a covenant with him to appease him, and they got this unreasonable yoke in response. But what was it that broke the yoke? The Spirit of the Lord. The anointing is what broke the yoke off of them. And we see that the Lord gave Saul victory over him and uh, destroyed all those, uh, that whole army. Let's see this, uh, another example of this. In uh, 1 Kings 12, verse 1. It says, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, For all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass, when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, was in Egypt, he heard of it, he fled from the presence of Solomon. Verse 3. We'll run through some of these until I find the verse I'm looking for. Uh, So they sent and they called to him. Verse 4. And they said this, talking about Solomon. Your father, Solomon, made our yoke grievous. Same language. Burdensome. Grievous. Now therefore, make thou the grievous service, ooh, I didn't see that till just now, of your father and his heavy yoke, which he did what? Put upon us, lighter, and we will serve you. Make it lighter on us, and we'll serve you. They're presenting themselves. But they're looking for a light and easy yoke. They're like, this is grievous. This has been laid upon us. It's weighing us down. It's burdening us. Make it lighter. Verse 5. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days and come again. 
verse 6. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men and that stood before Solomon his father while he yet lived. So these are people who have some experience. They've been around for a while. They've seen some things. They've seen some good decisions. They've seen some bad decisions. And look at what they said, verse 7. If you will be a servant to the people. See, this is what leadership's really about. It's not about getting people to serve you. It's about you being a servant to the people. This is the example that Jesus gave us. And it says, if you will serve the people, then speak good words to them, and they'll be your servants forever. But he did what? He forsook the counsel of the old men, which, had, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him. <laughs> he consulted with the kids he grew up with. You got to watch out about this. Um, that which stood before him, and he asked him, what, what is your counsel about this? Verse 10. And those who were grown up with him, it says it twice for a reason. Those who were grown up with him said, you shall speak this to the people. Your father made our yoke heavy, uh, he said, Thus shall you say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker, verse 11. Uh, I think we cut off. Uh, oh, then my father's loins. That's the, the Hebrew word for waist. My little finger will be thicker, verse 11. My father laid you, do you see that language? With a heavy yoke, and I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scorpions. And Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king appointed them. And, and so uh, skip ahead, verse 13. He said all these things to them. Verse 14. Sorry, we're going to run through these. Uh, let's go to verse 15. Wherefore the king hearkened not unto the people. For the cause was from the Lord that he might perform his saying. So... The Lord is actually involved in some of what's happening here. But it was because there needed to be a separation. If you read the whole passage, you'll see that the Lord had prophesied that there was going to be a separation. Verse 16. And when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people said, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now see to your own house, David. So Israel departed. What's interesting about this is that Rehoboam is listening to the wrong people, and they're advising him to get tough and to be try to prove how tough he is. And I think that he had the thought and the idea that he could get away with doing that and that it wasn't going to have any consequences. He's trying to lay them with this burden, and they're like, fine, we're leaving. <laughs> they didn't let him put that yoke on them. And the Bible says it was of the Lord. They didn't let them put that heavy yoke on them. Unreasonable conditions, 
unreasonable burdens, unreasonable yokes. This is not the yoke of the Lord. This is not the service of the Lord. Um, you see this in Exodus. I'm not going to read all of it for time's sake, but I'll just read some of these to you. Um, in Exodus, we see that Moses came to Pharaoh and he said, uh, let my people go that they may uh, hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And he said this to Moses and Aaron. I'm just going to read it, Jesse. Don't worry about putting it up. He said, you, uh, you let the people from their work get to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are many, and you make them rest from their burdens. Pharaoh wasn't happy that Moses is making them rest from their burden. And then he said this, Pharaoh commanded the same day that the taskmasters of the people and their officers say, you shall no more give the people straw to make bricks. As heretofore, let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of the bricks, which they did heretofore, you shall lay upon them. You hear that language? Lay upon them. We're seeing it over and over and over again. You will not diminish aught thereof, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let their more work be laid upon them. This is in Exodus uh, 5. Let their more work be laid upon them, that they may labor, and let them not reg re regard vain words. And you see that they, they put this into practice. What he, he, notice he, he said, let them not regard vain words. This, this spirit treats service to the Lord as being idle. This spirit treats serving the Lord as a waste of time. You need to be doing something productive with your time, not just serving. And he is being unreasonable with them. He's laying this heavy burden. And you notice that when there was an attempt to get out from under the burden, the response was more. Why is that? Because God is helping them to identify whose yoke this is. It's not my yoke. When the response to an attempt to get out from under the yoke was more, more, because he's trying to keep them weighed down, trying to keep them burdened. And God's saying, that's not my yoke. I didn't lay that on you. And notice that he says this several times. I won't read it, but uh, he says this several times in the next few chapters. Let my people go that they may serve me. Do you see that? Let my people go that they may serve me. What, what is God trying to do? He's trying to get these people free, watch this, to present themselves. He's trying to get these people in a state where they're free to go into the wilderness and present themselves to the Lord freely. He's, he says, let them go that they may serve me so that they may present themselves. 
unto me. So we're seeing all these pictures of wrong yokes, unreasonable yokes, and things that the Lord is saying, that's not me, and I want you free from that. Let's look at an example very quickly of reasonable service, of something that was the Lord. In the book of Ruth, uh, in chapter 2, verse 5, Chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? Talking about Ruth. Sorry, it's King James, not 2023 appropriate. But uh, And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, Is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab? And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather. What did she say? She said, let me. She came to the field. She presented herself. She said, let me glean in this field. And, and after the reapers, so she came and has continued even from the morning until now. So what we're seeing here is this is not talking about laziness. It's talking about freedom. She's not being lazy. She's working all day long. But she came. She presented herself. And it is good to work hard. It is good to be diligent and to follow through, and to do things with excellence out of a willing heart. Not because somebody's cracking a whip at you. And it says, she tarried there, and then Boaz said to Ruth, Hear thou, my daughter, go not and glean in another field, neither go from here, but abide here fast by the maidens. Verse 9, Let your eyes be on the field that they reap and go after them, have I not charged the men that they shall not touch you? And when you are athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. So we're seeing he's offering her protection. He's offering her provision. And she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said, Why have I found grace in your eyes that you should take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger? Verse 11. Boaz answered and said unto her, It has been fully showed me all that you have done unto your mother-in-law, since the death of your husband. Now, here's something interesting. Did Naomi try to get Ruth to come with her? In fact, she tried to talk her out of it. She tried to say, it's just like with Elijah and Elisha, tried to talk her out of it, said, no, no, you don't need to come with me. But Ruth said, mm -mm, I'm not leaving you. I'm committed to staying with you. See, she followed. She was the one that got this on her heart, and she's like, no, I, I want to do this. And Naomi was like, okay, fine. <laughs> and you have left your father and your mother and the land of your nativity and are coming to a people which you know not, verse 12, and the Lord recompense your work and a full reward be given you of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come to trust. What do we see about this? This is a picture of reasonable service. Nobody forced her. She came, presented herself. And not only that, the Bible says that Boaz let a little grain fall on purpose for her. We're seeing provision. We're seeing protection. We're seeing favor. And here's the biggest thing about the right yoke. Boaz didn't try to be God. Boaz pointed Ruth back to her source. Boaz 
told Ruth, God's the reason why this is happening. He's pointing her back to God. A right yoke, a right service, a right thing will never try to take the place of God as your source. It will always point you back to God being on the throne. This comes back to nothing that's built up around a person is the building of the Lord. God is on the throne. God is the one who's my source. And here's the thing. He's the one I'm serving. When you're serving in the right place, you're not just serving people. You are serving people. But you're serving them as unto the Lord. You're not serving them in the fear of man. The Bible talks about serving each other in the fear of the Lord. I'm serving them in the fear of the Lord, in the service of the Lord. This is the right yoke. And this is true of many things. This is true of uh, natural jobs. This is true of serving at church. I'm serving the Lord. I'm doing this for Him. And I'm doing it of my own free will. Nobody's making me do this. This is my reasonable service, that I present myself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. Now, when he talks about this, about under whose wings you've come to trust, um, the Lord spoke to my heart uh, a few months ago. I was walking into Faith Life Church, and they were building a portico, um, which is like a, a, a covering for cars to drive in out of the rain. And I think it had been raining that day. And we just had some major, major rain yesterday here in the, sorry, uh, in the Branson area. I can't help it. Um, I can, but I don't want to. Um, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, my people need an umbrella for the storms of life. He said, my people need an umbrella for the storms of life. And the Lord does have protective coverings for us. And there are storms that come in all of our life. And having a covering doesn't mean you're not going to experience the storm. It just means you're going to have protection when you do. But what is it about this covering that we're, we're starting to see here? Nobody's going to make you get under it. Nobody's going to make you come underneath that umbrella. Nobody's going to try to force the umbrella on you. You have to come and present yourself. You have to come and submit yourself to the place that God shows you. But there's going to come a time when a storm's going to hit. And if you're half under the umbrella, half you still going to get wet. If you're completely under the umbrella, you're still going to hear the rain. You'll still hear the thunder. You may even get a spatter on your face, but I'm protected. The Lord dealt with me about this just weeks before I experienced a trial. To call Micah and Becky, I'm just telling you my story, and to tell them, I feel impressed in my heart that the Lord wants me to submit myself under your spiritual leadership. Now, up to that time, Micah hadn't said one word to me about that. 
But I got it on my heart, and I presented myself. And Micah said, you know, Ben, there have been things on my heart that I've wanted to share with you that I knew I couldn't unless you did that. See, that's another characteristic. God is not going to force stuff on you. There's stuff that's available, but you have to want to hear it. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And so there is things that God wants us to experience, wants us to get. There's protection, there's provision. But what's it a matter of me presenting myself? But nobody's going to make me do it. Nobody should try to make me do it. Nobody's going to try to talk me into it. Nobody's going to tell me, well, if you don't do this, you're going to be out of God's will. That's guilt tripping. That's fear mongering. And that's not how the Lord is. No, you have to present yourself. Amen. And what's going to happen when, when that, that's a side note. That's a side note. But, uh, you know, I, I, it was a note. So it was on the side, but it was still a note, you know. Um, let me read this to you in Isaiah 10. We're almost done, I promise. There's two more scriptures. Um, Isaiah 10, verse 20 And we'll actually, Jesse, I apologize. We're actually going to read this in the New King James. So if you, I'll give you a second to pull that up. If you, if you have the New King James too. I don't know if we have that or not. Um, and we'll start in verse 20 and then we'll skip down a little ways. Um, let's try uh, verse 9. I'm sorry. Let's try verse uh, 19. Excuse me. Uh, is that right? Did I? Uh, sorry. Give me one second. Please stand by. Let me make sure. I'm, I'm, I want to make sure I read this to you. This is important. I would just skip over this, but as this is a this is an important part. Okay. Um, it is verse twenty. It's Isaiah ten twenty. Uh, okay, there it is. It says, "And it shall come to pass in that day that the remnant of Israel, and such as have escaped of the house of Jacob." will never again depend on him who defeated them, but will do what? Depend on the Lord. What was God trying to do with the, the children of Israel, with Pharaoh? In this passage, it says this over and over again. It talks about uh, in the manner of Egypt. It says, you won't depend on him who defeated them, but will depend on the Lord. So this is a transference of dependency. And there is a, a connection with being yoked to something and being dependent upon it, or it being dependent upon you. Pharaoh was dependent upon the Israelites as much as they were dependent on him. Uh, Pharaoh was having board meetings. I, I don't have a scripture for this, but I, this is what I, I think happened. He was having board meetings. He had pie charts. 
he had his accountants and lawyers showing him the five-year projections based on the estimated labor output of the Israelites. And he had money invested in this. And he had a lot riding on this. And so when Moses walks up in there and says, uh, hey, let my people go, Pharaoh's like, no. I've got, I've got stuff going on. You know, you're not, you're not going to. But when the Lord tells you to release something or to let it go, if you refuse to, it'll become a plague to you. It will become a burden to you. And the Lord wanted them free. He wanted them free from this dependency to serve him. And notice that Ruth, there was provision where she was. But Boaz didn't take credit for it. He said, the Lord is taking care of you. Amen. Now, skip down to verse uh, 27. And this is coming back to what we talked about with Saul when he broke that yoke because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. See, how do I know that I'm under the right yoke? The anointing is there. The anointing is manifested. Why? Because the anointing makes whatever the Lord requires of you light and easy. The anointing is what does the heavy lifting. Paul said, I labored more than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. When there's an anointing to do this, when there's an anointing to be here, when there's an anointing to serve this, it's light and easy. Because I'm operating in the grace that God has called me into, just like David with that sling, I'm operating under the anointing and taking down this giant. It's light and easy. It's light and easy. Paul said that these light and momentary afflictions work for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When the glory is in manifestation, it makes even heavy things seem light and easy. Last verse and we'll be done. Isaiah 58. We're almost done, I promise. Isaiah 58, uh, verse 3. We'll read this and we'll be done. Uh, He said, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? So somebody's, sounds like they're under a heavy burden. (laughs) We're fasting. We're praying. We're trying to break down the gates of heaven. Or the gates of hell, whatever it is. Take your pick. He said, in fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and do what? Exploit all your labors. Uh, Let's do the King James. Sorry, I should have told you that. You, uh, you You exact all your labors. You lay your labors upon. This is hard Because not only are they burdened, they're trying to lay burdens. See, when you're burdened, you burden other people. When you're under pressure, you pressure other people. But when you're free, you don't have to put pressure on people. 
verse 4. Behold, you fast for strife and debate, to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast as I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and an acceptable day of the Lord? Watch this part. Is this not the fast I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness and to do what? To undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. That's what God's interested in. And the service of the Lord is doing that to other people. How do I know I'm in the service of the Lord? The anointing's there, and the anointing is empowering me not to burden other people, not to lay burdens on other people to try and get them to help me with my thing, but they're being set free. They're having the yokes broken off of them. They're undoing heavy burdens. Amen. That's how you know you're in the service of the Lord. And he uh, talks about um, when you do this, your healing will spring forth speedily. This is true physically. It's true emotionally. Mentally. When... I'm getting rid of this yoke. It has to do with my healing springing forth speedily. This comes back to what we were saying at the beginning of service. When you submit to the anointing, you give the anointing the authority to drive sickness out of your body. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tanny Love Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com. And you can also check us out on social media on Instagram and Facebook.